Hello and welcome to another edition of Lights Camera Sports Podcast. I'm Mike Galtieri's. We're gearing up for a very special guest here today. This person who was born in Inglewood, California, went to Fairfax High School, scored 2,349 points, 1,114 rebounds in his Boston College career. That's second all-time in points, by the way. The 36th draft pick in the, of the Minnesota Timberwolves in 2006. Please welcome the one and the only Craig Smith to the Lights Camera Sports Podcast. Craig, thanks so much for taking a couple minutes out of your time. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. So Craig Smith grew up in L.A. Uh, growing, when did you first start playing basketball, Craig? Um, I started playing, I, I believe my mom told me the story was, I was around three years old. Um, she was playing a game of pickup, my mom. And, uh, you know, I was there observing. Um, she put the ball in my hands, and I fell in love ever since. And when did you it's start? Been about, <laughs> yeah, when... It's been about 30 years now, so. <laughs> that's, that's 30 a... years of basketball. Wow. Um, and when did you but, start but playing? Yeah, you start playing in high school, middle school, growing up organized as well from there? Uh, yeah, yeah. I grew up growing up organized in little park and rec leagues, so YMCA leagues, to – you know, middle school basketball, then high school basketball. And, I mean, the difference, I would say, um, with California, California people understand, I mean, well, you do. We have great weather. So, when you have great weather, basketball doesn't stop. We're playing everywhere, outdoor, inside. That's the luxury we have with good weather. We can always play basketball. I know on the East Coast, you know, what I've noticed is, no, you can't really play outside. You only have inside gyms, and those are – you know, subjected to certain hours. But out here, when we got outdoor basketball, it's just a totally different um, style of basketball. It's just basketball 24-7. So did you play growing up more outside than inside, actually? Yeah, it was like a little bit of both um, because I was still at the age where, you know, we wanted to prove to, you know, people at different parks that, you know, we were the better guys. So we would go to different parks as a group and play against, you know, their best guys who were at that park and, you know, battle to the death. But I, I've had my share of, of actually both, so it, it was a good mixture. Okay, so you got to high school, Fairfax High School, Los Angeles. Talk about that time. Did you enjoy playing there? Yeah, it was a great time there, but, I mean, it, it was so cool because, I mean, to actually be going to school in Hollywood is pretty crazy in a sense. And, you know, when you look back at it, the whole area – and the environment, I think, mentally um, just took me and some of my friends to another level because we were able to think outside of the box. You know, being from um, the smaller areas where we're from, you know, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a lot of hope in a sense. And to be able to go to high school around Fairfax area just gave a lot of hope and a lot of opportunities, and um, it was a really good experience. So you went to Fairfax. Then let's talk about how you got into college, the recruiting. Who were the first couple schools to recruit you uh, back at in L.A.? Um, so, yeah, I had an offer from Oregon State. They resent it because they didn't think I was going to be able to be a Division One player. Wow. Um, I had Cal State L.A., <laughs> University of Texas El Paso. And it was funny because I seen Tim O'Shea, who was the assistant coach at Boston College at the time, um, he was down at the Peach Jam. And the Peach Jam, I was averaging to, like, 25. And, you know, I was kind of rooting for, like, Lavin and UCLA to recruit me. But this guy, Tim O'Shea, 
comes up, shakes my hand, and says, hey, we would like for you to come to Boston College. We absolutely like you, and we think you can really take this program to new heights. Um, and after that, it was pretty much a wrap. So <laughs> they were they were in the Big East. BC was in the Big East at the time, so that was your first, the first yeah, Big East they were, offer. They were in a, it's the Big East is a very prestigious university. It's a chance to me to go and grow as a human being, both on and off the court. Um, it was just something I really couldn't pass on. I mean, it was it was really something great for me. Had you ever heard of BC growing up in LA? Where, where, what was your base of your knowledge of the school before they started recruiting you? Oh, uh, <laughs> I I had to look it up in a sense because I'm like Boston College. You know, I hear a Harvard. I didn't really hear of uh, BU and stuff like that, but I had to do a little bit of research because I mean, it, it is the East Coast. Only thing I really knew was about the Celtics, you know. I mean, the Celtics and their dynasty and Bird and all that history to go with, you know, the Lakers and Magic. Um, but I knew it was a great sports town, but I didn't really understand that until actually being around the people and the city. Um, yeah, so. And then talk about that. Craig, Craig Smith joins us. BC star, NBA player, uh, former NBA player. Talk about what that adjustment was coming from L.A. to Boston just in terms of outside of basketball, the culture uh, <laughs> and everything in the weather. It's funny because I always explain this story. It's like um, I'm up in the freshman dorm. I think class is about to start. It's maybe like the fourth day. It's a really bad blizzard. Um, I'm, I'm waking up. I kind of feel a drift in a sense. I kind of touch the window very cold i look outside the snow's about it's the snow's really high and in my mind i'm just culturally shocked i'm not stepping outside at all so um I, two hours later i'm still in my dorm room coach skinner calls me you know because they do the uh the checkup on the kids in the class in which people i don't know a lot a lot of people notice this but some coaches really take the time to see if their kids are in classes so so Coach Obviously, Skinner you know, actually he called you to make sure you're in class. He called he called me and said you wasn't in class, and I told him, okay, you know what you got yourself into when you sign me. I'm a kid from LA. This is something totally different. I mean, <laughs> you want me to walk out here in snow like this? Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> and what was his reply to that? Well, he just started laughing because I mean, we're, we're spoiled out here as Californians, you know. Yeah, get a lot of sunshine, and yeah, we don't get to see none of that crazy stuff. So that was a bit of a shock. So, and also, we kind of skipped over, but I want to get to Worcester Academy real quick. I know you graduated from Fairfax, LA. Then you did a postgraduate year at Worcester Academy. Yeah. What made you want to do that instead of going right to the Big East? Uh, and what well, did you learn? Was that a good experience out at Worcester? I know Mo Casero was your head coach. Mo Casero is my head coach. Um, I had a great experience at Worcester. Worcester really prepared me to um, be very confident and, um, in, in the classroom in college really helped me. Because um, I'm going to be honest, public school um, in Los Angeles is, is not the best. Um, sometimes in, in classes I have 40 to 50 kids. You're not really able to learn in those type of environments. So um, by me actually having the opportunity to go into Worcester, you know, I was able to be in a class where it was only 9 to 12 students. So I'm actually learning more, getting more information, and actually participating um, in the classes. Not only that, I mean, they give you these 
these great tools to really prepare you for college um, on, off the, off the, uh, the court because of, of how grounded their rules are and how structured they are. So overall, you, it sounds like you had a really good experience. I remember, too, you had a younger birthday, right, Craig? So it also allowed you to kind of grow up and mature a little bit, go, go gearing yeah, up for the Big yeah, East. Yeah, because I was actually a, seven, a 17-year-old postgraduate. Wow. So wow. It, it, it gave me a chance to grow up, and it gave me a chance to really understand the um, the system and how it works in, in private schools and how I would be ready to go to a private college like Boston College. And you played with Jared Jack, right? How, how, how well did you guys do that one year at Worcester Academy? Uh, we did pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I was the leader in points and rebounds. He'll, he'll verify <laughs> that. But, I mean, Jared Jack um, got us going. You know, he was – you know, on both ends of the floor, he had really high energy. And, I mean, he was always making plays for us. I mean, he was passing me the ball and I was scoring. So, it was it was a great tandem. We had a great season. It was unfortunate we lost in the championship. I mean, I still have nightmares to today about these things. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we lost to Rashad McCann wow. in um, the championship game. That must have been a heck of a game back there, especially at the postgraduate level in New England. So- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was exciting. So now you're ready for BC. Freshman year, you come in, you average 19.9 points per game, seven and nine, 7.9 rebounds per game. Uh, were there any freshman jitters that first, you know, that first month practicing, lead up to the games? It sounds like you went right into cruise cruise control and started dominating. I mean, I, it was just all about proving. I heard people tell me I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that, but I know I believed in my craft and myself. And I knew as long as I did that and as long as I put in the work, anything was possible. So when I came in, I just said, hey, I'm going to continue to work. I'm going to continue to work because I know what I'm capable of. And, I mean, it, it, it just showed itself because I, I knew that I was out to prove to every college that I played that you should have given me a scholarship offer. I wanted to make the coach feel like that. You should have really looked at me. What do you think? It, so, what I wonder, going back to old Coach O'Shea and Al Skinner, Coach Skinner, what do you think they saw in you that other coaches didn't, as you referenced just then? I think they saw the hunger. They saw my potential. They saw that if they were able to work with me, how they could develop me into a pro. Um, that's what I felt they saw in me. Um, and... I mean, that's what I saw in myself, too. Um, it's just always having that opportunity, you know, um, and being in the right place at the right time and, 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 and handling the situation. And you were BC's all-time leading scorer as a freshman, too. It's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Uh, what, what, were your, what were your thoughts, too, on Coach Skinner, those first couple practices? You mentioned you saw him in the classroom, but in the coaching staff as a whole, those first couple practices as you geared up your freshman year, were you happy with your decision? I was very happy. I mean, overall, and even going into profession, I mean, Coach Skinner taught, I mean, coaches like pros. He really coaches like, like young men. He wasn't really the type to be arguing and screaming unless we really effed up in certain cases or certain people, but if we played the game the right way, did what we supposed to do, he treated us like men. And our practices were simulated in professional-type situations. I mean, for me, practicing all over the world and coming back to B.C., like, this is where it started. 
Like this was kind of the the league for us, for myself, for Dudley. Um, just being just being around that type of environment and knowing that structure, and you know, going out into the profession and realizing, hey, this is pretty much the same. It's not that much different. Yeah. So you were ready to go. Let's just back up the sophomore year now. You're averaging 16.9 points per game, 8.3 rebounds a game. That's the year you reach 1,000 points. Anything that sticks out to that year, you made the second round of the NCAA tournament, lost to Georgia Tech, who went all the way to the finals that year of the NCAA tournament and lost to UConn in the finals. So sophomore year was a productive year for you in uh, in the Big East. It was a productive year, but it was unfortunate because I was coming off of a, a knee injury. So it kind of took me uh, a little while to, you know, just get things going and get back into rhythm from uh, freshman year. Um, but, I mean, that's the year when Yuka Agbai came back, who who was our vocal leader, and that was very important. I think without Yuka, I don't know if we really get to the, um, to the, um, to the tournament just by his leadership and how he conducted himself and how he – you know, wanted to make sure we got back. Because, I mean, the year before, we kind of had T-Bell, you know, who is the number one um, leader in scoring, and we're not able to make the tournament. Um, So that was important. Also, you know, finding the diamond in the rough like Jared Dudley, that was very big sophomore year. We had some very key additions that helped propel – our future from my sophomore year beyond. Yeah, what were you thinking? Jared Dudley comes from San Diego. You came from L.A. Sean Marshall from Rialto, California. That's near you. First of all, have you heard of Sean growing up? Did you hear? You guys uh, both no. from the L.A. area? I mean, those guys are a little bit younger than me, so I'm already out, especially I was on the East Coast. So it's like I'm not of knowing of these guys yet, but, I mean, I'm very familiar with uh, the areas and stuff where they come from and people who know them. So it was like kind of like a six degrees of separation type of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of knew of them but didn't really know them, and um, I just knew it was cool, and I kind of started the trend of California guys. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then we progressed to junior year. This is is my first year as manager. I remember it very well. Uh, They started off 20-0 at the Big East. This was the last year in the Big East, but uh, BC started off 20-0. Talk about how your, your thoughts during that stretch. Um, I thought that stretch was really important. I felt like we were we were upset at the fact that we did lose to Georgia Tech. Um, we felt like we could have beat them, but uh, obviously we didn't come with our best efforts. I mean, our, our best game. I'm not saying efforts, our best game. Um, and I think for me, it was maturing of the body for me. That's really when I, I saw a difference in, in my body and um, how much um, time, effort, and um, I I put into it. And just to show that, hey, I needed to be a little bit more active and a little bit more athletic on these guys. Um, So that was the start. And, I mean, we were were two, three years strong, meaning that, you know, during the camp, Watson, myself, Hennett, we had three years together. There was coming two years from Dudley Williams, and then we were getting a young athletic guy um, by the name of, of uh, Sean Williams. So things were, were really looking up, and uh, we had some very good pieces, and our chemistry was just flowing. Yeah, no doubt about it. Went 20-0, uh, Big East tournament, and then uh, second round of the NCAA tournament, uh, Bruce Pearl was the head coach of the Wisconsin-Milwaukee team. Uh, thoughts on that game yeah. and then uh, heading into senior year? 
Um, that was an unfortunate game. I felt like we really prepared for it. We just didn't execute, especially at the end of the game. Um, but I felt, you know, we handled ourselves um, really well in a tough environment like that. I think it just came down to the execution of things and obviously certain situations of, you know, our teammates not being able to be 100%. Yeah, no question about it. Then you come into senior year now. This is the big year. Between your junior and senior year, Craig, didn't you play USA basketball as well with Jay Wright? Yes. Just talk- yeah, we got we played with Jay Wright. We got a gold medal um, out in Izmir, Turkey, um, with myself, Sheldon Williams, Randy Foy, Jerry McNamara, um, Vincent Greer. We had a lot of great talent on that team. And um, those guys, actually, um, you know, Coach Jay Wright, um, I would say that would be the other coach, college coach I would probably play for um, because of the way he riled us up and the way he got us ready and mentally prepared for the game um, was unbelievable because nobody had us winning the gold medal. Actually, they had us losing to Germany. Um, so we just wanted to prove to ourselves and to the other USA team, which, you know, had Dudley, J.J. Reddick, Rudy Gay, those guys. You know, those guys who were, you know, all first-rounders, um, to show them that, hey, um, we're going to take home the go. And obviously they didn't, but we got a chance to experience that, and it was definitely something I would cherish for the rest of my life. And then you come back and you're ready for your senior year. Also, this is the first year in the ACC as well. So just talk about the differences in playing between the two conferences, Craig. I mean, it's a blessing to be able to play in two powerhouse conferences um, unbelievable. Did we want to leave the Big East? We really didn't. Um, but at the same time, we knew, um, you know, this was a money thing. Um, and this was an opportunity to branch out. And, you know, this is a this is sort of a change that's starting to happen, which has now happened tremendously throughout all the leagues. Um, but it was really great. And we got to see what the ACC was all about. I mean, it was so much more different in a sense as far as media coverage. Um, and stuff like that. But, I mean, we got off to a rocky, a rocky start. Um, you know, we came out 0-3. I think we were overexcited about it, and um, we weren't putting together the pieces to get um, wins. Um, but then we went on our streak, and um, we really found, um, you know, we found our chemistry and our mark. And, you know, we went out there, and, you know, we finished strong, and we ended up losing in the championship. Another nightmare that I still have today. Which um, one are you talking about? The ACC tournament one against Duke? Yeah, the, yeah, the championship against Duke. Oh, and man. Duke always has their number by two, man. It's just unfortunate. Tough. T- take but, us into that. I just want to focus on that game, uh, right, because that was BC hasn't got to the ACC championship game since then as well. So just go in that mindset, that streak. First of all, the semifinals game, I believe you had 23 points and 15 rebounds against UNC in that semifinal game. And then, of course, that great final game in the in the tournament. Just talk about that. J.J. Redick has a couple big threes down the stretch. Greg Paulus. I remember there was a little tie-up with uh, Hinnett right along the sidelines there. And that, that uh-huh. game had a yep. lot. It had a lot because we, we felt like we could beat those guys. And we felt like when they came to our house and they won by two, they kind of got away lucky. So we wanted to make sure that we came out and we let them know that we was going to come out and hit them in the mouth first. And um, – you know, we came out very aggressive, but we knew they were a great team and there was going to be battles. And, uh, I mean, it was, overall, it was it was, um, it was was a lot of emotion, a lot of sweat, man, and a lot of 
a lot of just wanting to win um, from everybody. And um, there's a certain plays I feel like I even myself want to take back um, in a sense that I felt like, man, maybe maybe if those plays worked out a little bit differently, you know, the outcome would be different as well. Um, but, I mean, we really gave it our all, and we wanted to show to the to the nation that we are one of the top teams in the country, and you, you don't want to overlook us. And then you got the four seed to Salt Lake. I thought there would have been a higher seed. Uh, but we, how did it yeah, go to Salt Lake? Yeah, go ahead. If we if we would have won, we'd absolutely have the number two seed and would have been more in cruise control. But you know, just just how things work out and the the politics of you know bracketology and stuff like that, you know, we get put in a difficult position. But then, but I think at the end of the day, Coach Skinner really did a good job coaching us through it to make us understand that hey. We can't lie on these excuses. We got to really go out here and really prove to people. And I think that was an opportunity for, you know, myself and Hennett. We were always underrated our whole careers. I mean, and you think about Dudley and um, Marshall and Williams. We're all underrated guys. And we were out to really prove something. And I think that weekend we did, we really did something special. Yeah, and then you had that big game against Pacific. Uh, who was the first round? Uh, Pacific, right? Um, and yeah, first round Pacific. And you had those. I remember you had those big clutch free throws down the stretch there uh, to finish yeah. them off. They were a pesty team. That game, I believe, went two OTs in the first yeah, round. Yeah, two OTs. I mean, it's tough, man. You tra- <laughs> no excuse, but you travel from North Carolina to Boston. You get to Boston, you just have you know, I don't know, six hours of sleep. Then you got to fly to Utah. Yes. And Utah, it, you know, it's a little bit of a higher altitude. You know, people wish, you know, they don't understand. So it's like we have to really fight through that first game, you know. Like we're battling our altitude. We're battling travel. And then we got to battle these guys who only had like an hour and a half flight. <laughs> yes. You know, so – I mean, the odds were against us, and we really came out, and um, I'm I'm glad we ended up pulling out in the overtime. You got past them, and then Montana, that was pretty, pretty – that was almost cruise control. You got through them pretty easily to get to the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty – I mean, but we, we wanted it so bad. And I said, hey, I'm going to lead us right here from the, from the jump. And I was feeling really good and pretty bouncy. And I just wanted to take over and let Montana know you have no chance. No chance. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. And then, you know, I don't want to focus too much on it, but that next game, Villanova, I, as you say, you still have nightmares. I still think about that as well. Wow. In overtime. <laughs> That's that a horror movie. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Horror movie, man. Um, they I were a one seed. You, we were a four seed. Just give us your thoughts. We, we came out really ready. We really thought we were a much better team than them. Um and you're up by you know, 20, I believe. We're up by 20. They they run a press break. I mean, I know Jay Wright. You know, he, he coached me this the summer before. So he knew in the sense that, hey, they were going to make, you know, be back in the game. And this was, you know, this was going to end pretty closely. Um, after I made the shot, though, I thought the game was over. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought the game was over. Um, especially after Sean Williams blocks the shot. And um, I remember the same, like this dream, it repeats. It's like Groundhog Day for me. Um, <laughs> me, Dudley, 
Williams were all looking and were saying, hey, should we run a zone or should we run man? So we ended up running zone, but it's actually, a, you know, a man zone. So you're able to switch. And um, I just remember I said, I went right to Randy, said, I'm guarding you, Randy. You're not scoring. Because Randy was torching us. He had like 27 already. Wow. Um, but, but, yeah, to see that go 10, uh, it was very painful to understand that my four years ended on a note like that. Do you think it was a goaltending call, looking back on the replay? Um, Maybe they were too antsy, but, I mean, was close. He, lost, he lost him, you know, for a second, which gave him a chance to be open. And, I mean, when you're that damn wide open, I mean, jeez, you know? Um, so, I don't. I don't know. I I haven't really looked at the block like that. Yeah, that was I, just, that was Will Sheridan, right, with the shot. Yeah, it was know. Will Sheridan who got the wide open layup. And big time, Sean Williams <laughs> actually did a good job of getting you know getting back on retreating. And yeah, the forcing re- it. the recovery. I mean, Williams' recovery is ridiculous. I mean, even before that, you saw him block Cal Laurie's shot when he basically took a step out of the paint and blocked his shot, and Cal Laurie was shooting a three. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah, that was, I believe, in overtime. So Yeah, it's just unfortunate. I mean, things happen for a reason. You just got to learn from them and move on. But, I mean, that one that one hurts 11 years later, dude, for sure. <laughs> uh, man, all right, well, let's, let's, let's talk about, too, after that, after the season. What did you do to get ready for the NBA draft? Um, so I ended up going to uh, Houston to work out with John Lucas. Um which is pretty an experience because, I mean, I'm just coming off of even, – even though we lost, which sucked, I ended up um, tearing uh, a ligament in my wrist. Wow. So I have to go through that process of, you know, trying to heal. So I'm in Houston, and literally I'm just on the track every day. <laughs> I'm on the track every day. I can't really work out for teams, but um, – I'm doing real good, so I get healed. I ended up working out for, like, one or two teams that um, I knew I wasn't going to get picked by just because of the timing, and they probably already had their picks together. Gotcha. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was an experience. Had a couple meetings with some teams and didn't really know where I was going, but, you know, it was still hopeful and positive because I know I had put a lot of work in during my four years and I couldn't go unnoticed. Yeah, so it was a it was definitely a surprise when I got a call from Kevin McHale. Uh, I mean, a, a Boston guy, um, one of the best power forwards to ever play the game. Um, you know, to be able to share a moment with that and say that the uh, uh, Hall of Famers interested in me was um, something one of a kind, <laughs> something that I still cherish to today. That you know, um, I was thankful for the opportunity that he gave me, um, but. Uh, it, what, Craig, what yeah, did he say we, in that conversation? Take us into that. Well, how did how did it go when you when you <laughs> how do you find out you're an NBA player? I said, uh, "Big fella, how you doing? Um, you know, I'm overjoyed with emotions, tearing up a little bit, but I'm excited." Um, and he's like, "Hey, man, uh, just want to let you know we really, we really, we really are fond of you. We can't wait to get you out here to get you working. Um, and I can't wait to see you tomorrow morning." 
Um, obviously, for the press conference where I, I would end up traveling from L.A. to Minnesota to have a press conference and collect my first jersey. Wow, that's pretty cool. So, it was pretty cool and pretty awesome, and it just um, it was it was definitely a blessing, and uh, it was great to see that the hard work that I put in really paid off, and that you know if you put your mind to anything, you can accomplish anything. And just going back with that, are you uh, at that point? Are you 100 percent healed with your wrist? Yeah, I'm 100. I'm well. I'm healed, but um, the team is holding me out of uh, summer league, so I'm not really playing in summer league. And then I, I actually had to go back to the doctor in Boston in like August to make sure I got like an ultimate clearance. Gotcha, gotcha. Would you now just looking back at it? Say BC does beat Villanova that year. Would you have played in the Elite Eight? You think against Florida? I absolutely would have played with the Cavs. Something would have been able to work out. Um, gotcha. I mean, it's my left hand. I'm right-handed. Even though I love to use my left hand, let's be honest here. <laughs> I'm not doing everything with my left. Yeah. But um, I really felt we were better prepared. And this is funny because I talk I talked about it with the Florida guys all the time. Um, Corey Brewer was on my team. Um, there were a couple other guys. And I go and I say, we would have beat you guys by at least 10. <laughs> He's like, no way, dude, we're so big. I'm like, Who do, we matched up with you guys perfectly and we're older than you guys with more experience. What do you think would have happened? And our flex, we run the clock so slow, we score in the last eight seconds. That's going to be devastating to you and your young guys because, you know, you guys want to get out, get into the break, and get dunks. That's what I've seen out of those guys. They were able to, you know, by using their length and, you know, um, proper defensive skills by Billy Donovan, they were able to get out in the passing lanes or get blocks, rebounds, outlets, dunks. They wouldn't have been able to do that against us. Yeah. They really would have had to have court set oriented, and I think that would have got them frustrated. And speaking of that, so you're in the NBA now, Randy Foy. Did you guys talk a lot about that tournament, that game as well? And Randy Foy says that's the reason he got drafted. So <laughs> that get, that one game right there? Right there. He's like, man, I appreciate what you guys did for me. Because everybody doesn't know, we played that game in Minnesota. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, the Timberwolves. Yeah, right there. <laughs> we played that game in Minnesota. They watched that game. So that's how things work out in the sense, you know? You know, it's interesting. When you got all the guys get to the NBA, do you guys talk college sports a lot, back and forth like that? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of bragging and betting. Oh, man, it's unbelievable. There's so much crap talking. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so your first no, year – yeah, go ahead, Greg. No, 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 no. Go. What were you about to say? So your first year, you had a great year. Uh, 7.4 points a game, 5.1 rebounds a game for the T-Wolves. Just talk about the rookie year in the NBA real quick and how you adjusted from college to the NBA. Man, the NBA is totally different. What what I would say is being in the ACC definitely helped me as far as media-wise because the coverage is pretty much almost the same in a sense. Um, but, I mean, playing with a guy like Kevin Garnett, a Hall of Famer, and having a guy like Kevin McHale teach you every day different scenarios or situations on just becoming a better player overall was, I mean, I'm still kind of speechless because I felt like I learned 
a lot from those guys in that one year. Um, just about being a professional, doing the right things, um, being a great teammate. Um, those things really went a long way for me. And, I mean, they gave me ultimate confidence to where I was literally out there playing a lot with Kevin Garnett, you know? And um, that only helps you get better in a sense. And I feel like each game I was just getting better and better. And, um, you know, just opportunities were coming for me. And they were seeing things that they didn't see in college and they didn't know that I had. And, I mean, um, it just it just really worked out. And it was a really good year. It was just unfortunate that uh, we didn't get to make the playoffs. Yes, you're right. So things were going well on the court. How were you adjusting off the court? NBA, you know, it, at that point now, college is over. It's a business. You're, everyone's about yes. making money. Talk about that adjustment off the court. It's a business. But, I mean, you know, you come out, we're young, we're kids, we're excited. Um, you know, there's there's so many different things. A lot more people know you now. Everybody wants to call you. Um, people asking for tickets, they're just – it's it's so much going on in a sense. It's 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 pretty crazy, you know. Um, but I mean, overall, it was just really a good experience. I mean, because even though um, there were a lot of good times, there also were a lot of tough times in that, you know. How so? Traveling from rookie wall, traveling. Yeah. Um, you know, just certain people that you didn't know come out the woodworks different things that just happens that people don't normally see from players, you know, or players don't actually show or open to tell them like this is, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy, but I mean, it's, it's all in good nature and it's all, um, obviously to help you grow in a sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a form to definitely grow. I would absolutely say that. And then you grew some more because on July 20th, 2009, you were traded to L.A. Clippers. So talk yeah. about that adjustment. First of all, were you excited to go back to L.A.? Or did you were you over that at that point? You didn't really care. I was, I was very excited because I've never really gotten to, you know, be back home. And um, being with the Clippers gave me an opportunity to play in front of my family and friends which I haven't done that in a long time. And uh, that was really cool. <laughs> Just to be like, man, I, I work in my city. I mean, I, I drive to the Staples Center every day. It was really like a dream come true for me. I mean, that's something nobody can <laughs> can take back from me. It was something that I enjoyed. And, I mean, um, I, I became a fan favorite out here, which was cool, too, because, I mean, this is my city, and I was going to put forth my best effort um, as much as possible while I was out there. Um, so it was it was really a great experience, and um, it, it was really good to be playing um, in front of uh, my home crowd. So you had the L.A. Clippers, the the Rhinos in full force. Then you're going you're going strong, and then uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying it's it's crazy. The Rhino has stuck on for long. I I used to think the Cookie Monster was going to stick, you know. Yeah, that was big <laughs> back in the for day. The and then um, once Kevin McHale gave me the nickname of the Rhino, I mean, that just really took off. And, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool to see globally people still calling me Rhino. <laughs> what name do you like better, Rhino or Cookie Monster? Uh, I love cookies. Let's not get it. I, I love cookies. 
<laughs> but I mean, the rhino is just more beastie, and you know, um, I just love it. And I've actually, you know, fell in love with the animal. I've had opportunities where I've gone to different, um, or I've gone to the zoo to meet different rhinos. I'm actually in the process of trying to develop uh, a t-shirt line um, because I know the history of rhinos being poached. I'm so uh, so not cool with that, and just understanding the endangered, um, the black rhinos, the endangered species. Wow. So I just want to do something positive for them. And I understand there are certain soldiers around specific rhinos that are actually protecting them from being poached. And my thing is, do some of those guys have water? Does the rhino have his proper vegetables and water? You know, certain things like that factor. And I think um, it just really made me um, open my eyes a little bit more and just really try to be aware and conscious and, you know, try to make changes in ways that I can. Yeah, and you, people don't realize beyond basketball, you have a lot of interest, right? Are you still into sci-fi movies? and. Yeah, I'm, I'm into sci-fi movies, so it's pretty cool. Um, um, while I'm out here in L.A., I actually go um, with a movie critic sometimes, and we watch movies, and I go over, um, you know, what does he want to see out of things, and it kind of gives me a little bit of a perspective on things because I get, uh, you know, to see what the movie critic wants because um, I'm also trying to develop uh, a movie as well. Um, so I'm just out here doing a ton of different things. I'm also trying to, I'm also developing the rhino as a, as a, a cartoon character um, for books, for children's books. Um, just to, trying to give kids more positivity about just growing up and how the effects of bullying and being different um, can affect you, but um, how you can also can remain positive and see uh, the goodness out of those situations. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what's going on right now. And obviously I'm still still working out and playing, but uh just waiting on, you know, the right situations. Yeah, and people as we mentioned too, you're from LA, you went to Portland and you went overseas. What was it like playing overseas too at the, at the last couple of years? Overseas was, was great, man. I mean, being able to live in the city of Jerusalem uh, was an experience I'll never forget. Um I really was embraced by the Israeli people, in which I love dearly. Um, I kind of consider Israel like my second home now. Um, wow. Just being able to be embraced by the culture and having actually having the opportunity to work at the Sports Channel, which was pretty cool for me. Um, they actually gave me, like, my own segment on, on, a, on my own show. What was so it called? Was actually, it was called Rhino's Point of View. There you go. I know Rhino had to be in it. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was a great experience. And it just let me know what I'm really capable of doing off the court. And, I mean, I can only um, give credit to where credit is due. And that's from Worcester and BC for, you know, helping prepare me for these type of situations. Because, I mean, I didn't really have to do it for basketball, but – after basketball or off the court, being able to network and communicate with people and being able to understand these situations and really think uh, like a businessman, I think, really helps um, really helps me for the future and just really helps prepare me. 
for these situations. And that's why I don't realize if recruits realize that when they're 18, going to college, and you start playing 22, you might play to your 30, 30, you know. But by the time you're 35, everyone's pretty much done. Then you have the rest of your life. Yeah, you got And let's be honest, people are living to like 100 years old. You know? <laughs> so there's a lot of life left. Um, you got to make sure that you have the the necessary tools to, you know, survive, whether that be making sure you continue to work after you play or setting yourself up so that you don't have to work if you if you if you've done it correctly. Craig, thanks so much for joining us. Last question here. Do you still follow BC basketball? I know it's in, they're in a tough spot right now, trying to get back going. Uh do you still check it out and your thoughts? You know I do, man. I'm just really quiet about it. Um, obviously, I'm upset at the way um, we're just not winning. But, I mean, it's a process, especially when you have to start over. So, you have to find different niches. Um, but I, I've been watching the young guys, especially that guy that's wearing my number. Uh, he's been putting in a lot of work. Um, it's been really good. Um, there's there's been a couple other guys too, a couple shooters. Yeah, freshman Kai Bowman, Jerome Robertson, sophomore, have been yeah, playing. Robertson's been killing. So that that's that's been good, man. Just to see, you know, we getting some talent back. It's just all about putting the pieces together. But I mean, Jerome might be out of there, so <laughs> he might be a first rounder. So <laughs> you think so? There's no, uh, I mean, there's a possibility. I mean, you're averaging 20 points in the ACC. How are you not? You and you're a sophomore. You're a young guy. You know, you have yeah. a lot of room for for potential and build. And the NBA likes stuff like that. So, I mean, in a in a sense, if if people are hollering and calling his name and it's attractive, he has to go. Yep, but that's if the way. They say, yeah, if they say there's room for improvement and stuff, he can come back and they could probably have a really good year. Yep, and you're right. That would be a personal decision. BC fans are hoping he sticks around, but you're right. When you, if you get the call, you do have to go. Yeah, man. And, I mean, he's he's very talented. They they have, they have they have a good core of guys. Now, it's just a matter of will they stay together, or you know, will upper, other opportunities come? You know, so that that's what it's about. But I think I think they have something going. You know, that was unfortunate about last year, um, and seeing that we did not get a win. That was crushing. Yeah. But uh, to see us respond this way, it shows about um, Coach Christian, right, I believe? Yeah, Christian, yep. Yep, Coach Christian's um, – everybody's believing into it now, the system. So things are starting to work, you know? So that's a pretty good sign. You know, and Craig, you just – you got me thinking as you're talking. You even you sound like very knowledgeable of the game. Do you have any interest in getting into coaching? Um, no. <laughs> I'm a guy of little patience when it comes to certain things. I think being a consultant would actually be a better position, I would say, than just being a coach. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, I don't know if I have that much patience um, to really to really come down and teach. And um, I think I'm probably like more of a one-on-one guy, more of a skill guy. Yeah. To really – teach you the mental and physical aspects of things that you would need to do to become successful. You know, just you got me thinking, what is it like to see little Bonds play for Notre Dame and uh, doing well in the ACC there? Uh, Bonzi Colson uh, Jr. Remember seeing him at practice back warming up after before yeah. and after our practice. Uh, 
questions. He's all, he was always trying to play a horse with us, wanted to know more about the game, always had a basketball in his hands. So he just knew he was prepared to be great. Um, but, I mean, I try to watch him every chance I get. You know, I, I talked to uh, I talked to his dad. We had conversations. Um, just you know, anything that I could give him knowledge wise, because it's it's crazy. He's kind of similar to me in a sense, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny. So it's like anything that I can do to probably help him prepare, because I know the next level is coming, and you have to you have to get better every year. Yeah. Well said. Every year. Well said, Craig. Well, hey. We got better 45 minutes listening from you talk today. Thanks so much for joining us here on Lights, Camera, Sports and talking a lot of basketball, your career, uh, high school, college, and the NBA. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, love the podcast, man. It's really good. And thanks so much for listening to Lights, Camera, Sports, the podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, subscribe to it, as well as on SoundCloud. We'll be back next week, every Tuesday and Thursday, the podcast, Lights, Camera, Sport. This is Mike Galtieri, signing off.